All right, Buzz Buzz Babies, we're back for a special episode and happy Halloween. Spooky season may be over, but that doesn't mean we can't celebrate horror whenever we feel like it. Today, I've got a wonderfully spooky guest who is just lives, breathes, and bleeds horror. He does great things for the genre. John Lees is in the house. And John, I just love your freaking books, man. Uh, from from sink to, to hotel, um, and your your new stuff coming out, which we're going to talk about, Crimson Cage, Hotels coming back. You got a new Kickstarter on the horizon. You're a busy man, but you still made time for Blake's Buzz, and I sure do appreciate that. How are you doing, sir? Oh, thanks for that really enthusiastic live entry. Does it me feel more buzzed up? Um, yeah, no, like, um, I'm definitely feeling good, honestly. It definitely feels good to be busy and to be, like, um, have a lot of stuff on the go right now because, obviously, I've not stopped, like, like working over the past year i've actually had some of like my busiest times like you know since i've been kind of quiet but you know what it's like as like a writer or as a creative like if you're not like promoting something new or you're not able to talk about something it almost feels like you don't exist so like, it's good to know like you know that i have stuff down the horizon i can talk about and i can feel more energized about that but one thing I will say about your introduction when you said it's almost the end of spooky season, like, you know, if your mentality is right, spooky season never needs to end. It can be all year round. <laughs> That's uh, so like I'm, I'm from Kansas City and, and our football team's the Chiefs. And every weekend when we have a home game, uh, we we have Red Friday and like even like corporate jobs, like they'll let you wear a chief shirt to work and stuff. It's like a citywide deal. And I always tell everybody every Friday is Red Friday, if you believe. So I, I like that. Every it, It's always spooky season if, if you're if you're needing the spooks yeah. I, I mean I, I for me like it, I love like you know like watching like you know movies I arrange like movie nights with friends and stuff and I always had to be to bring it back to horror like you know Halloween let's do horror night Christmas <laughs> let's do a Christmas horror night <laughs> You know, I'm really stoked for the upcoming Christmas season, too, because there's a there's a lot of uh, Christmas horror anthologies coming out like on Kickstarter and stuff. And and so I'm I'm kind of stoked to, like, sit by the fire and get and get spooky for yeah, the holidays, I mean, like, man. I think Christmas is an underrated, like, sort of Halloween or Halloween. And Christmas is an underrated Halloween. No, Christmas is an underrated um, spooky season as well. Like, there's a rich tradition, I think, because it's, it's that time of year, like, you know, it's the sense of, like, you know, community and gathering together like you know by the warmth of the fire but that the implication of that is that outside it's cold and dark and like you know the wind's blowing like it's the ideal atmosphere for like spooky stories and especially here in the UK there's like a rich tradition of like you know of going back like decades like beyond before like I was even born like you know so when I was a little kid they'd show reruns on the TV it was a tradition called a ghost story for Christmas where like every Christmas Eve the BBC would like show like a really scary like you know like good <laughs> story and it all kind of goes back to older traditions like mr james and stuff like that with like right like christmas horror anthologies and things so charles dickens did the same so there's a real like, tradition of like christmas and horror as well so yeah spooky season keep on continuing on for the months ahead well good yeah that's i just always uh do you guys have shutter over there like this the, the, the yes, streaming service uh, yeah <laughs> i've always like seen what's coming out each month yeah i i always fall i've you know like i'll use it a few times a year i, I have too many streaming services right so like between me and my family we you know, share them i don't know if that's if that's cool to say but like <laughs> no 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 <laughs> i have family sharing packages now it's fine yeah and uh and so like we keep shutter around and and I've, i'll forget about it you know throughout the year but then like 
like come you know september and october like that's like all i use basically and i love i love like catching up on the shutter originals which which i've been doing uh lately uh, but just to kind of get pumped up my, my birthdays is I'm my, I'm not quite a Halloween baby. My birthday is the 27th. So I'll Close be, enough. yeah, just right. Like <laughs> yeah, I'm, a, I'm still, I'm a, I'm a late Scorpio. Right. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, it's funny, man. I'm, I'm turning, I'm turning 36 and like all my, all my friends have kids and stuff and, and I'm, uh, I'm running a comic book podcast, <laughs> but I'm still, I got, I'm like, eh, fuck you guys. Like, I'm still a kid. Like have fun being an adult. <laughs> so um so you're obviously like a a big a big fan of horror and that's the that's the your comfort zone genre which oh yeah no horror's like my cozy place (laughs) (laughs) what uh so like when i was a kid my dad showed me the alien movie when i was very young and it gave me like i don't remember this much but i apparently like woke up screaming a couple times and him and my mom got into it because like for like a couple (laughs) weeks i was just like a terrified mess and she was like i can't believe you let him watch that movie and, da, da, da. and but it, it spawned this like uh it spawned a demon inside of me that that has nestled and, and grown that i've taken care of for all these years that that left me in love with the genre um what like what what was your horror beginning like what made yeah, you no, realize I think, like, honest, it's hard to very similar to you i was watching for a young age but it's hard to like you know gauge exactly when it began or to go back far enough like i imagine like going way back i remember um being like, maybe, like as young as like three four years old and like, the ghostbusters toys at the time they had to release like a wave of like classic horror monsters like dracula and frankenstein and all that and from there i kind of branched into seeing the monster squad and i loved that i'm like this is the best movie ever made um <laughs> and i remember just being obsessed with that as a kid like my cousin like you know who i was very close with as a little kid hired out the monster squad so often that the local video shop eventually just sold them their copy because like no one else was getting to hire it out but he just kept on like you know rehiring it <laughs> um and the yeah like and like my my local video shop probably has a lot of blame because it was very permissive like i was like a little kid and it was on my street it was like a five minute walk in a straight line so i was allowed to just like walk down to the video shop and like back again and i would come back and i was like maybe five years old and i would go down and i'd come back with a copy of like in one hand like disney's peter pan and on the other hand like maniac cop three badge of silence you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, i'm just like oh, okay and, and, and like the owner's gonna knew me and they'd be like oh john i've got some good horror movies for you today i'll be the puppet master too you know like and like you know so for me like i just associate like you know horror with like nostalgia and was kind of like fuzzy vibes don't get me wrong like i terrified myself scared myself <laughs> silly as a kid i remember at one point a vivid memories of again i couldn't have been older than like four or five years old uh maybe even younger and it was my cousin put on house three and the start of house three is like the bad guy the movie gets is on the electric chair and i imagine the story is that he comes back from the dead as like an evil ghost as they usually do but he's an electric chair and he gets like you know like, he's like, and he kind of slumps down and he sits back up and he's like i want some more you know and then the electric equipment to his skin starts bubbling and boiling in his face is melting like on the flesh and i watched it back as an adult and it's okay as hell like it's super cheesy but apparently as the story goes i saw this scene as a young child and the color just drained from my face <laughs> you know it's like catatonic from like terror um but yeah like you know so like obviously like going way back and i say it's kind of evolved and 
um, traversed across mediums all through like you know like I remember like seeing Scream like just before my teens it was like just that perfect age it was like 9, 10 when I first saw Scream and that became my favourite movie and that made me start kind of going back and exploring old horror and seeing the canon classics and yeah and it's just kind of like stayed with me forever since from like you know, loving watching horror to writing horror I mean even as a little kid like I was a kid in primary school like it was a like, grade school like for Americans but um, and like I would write like little 10 page books it was like three pieces of paper folded in half to make a 10 page book with pictures and the first books that I wrote or books like I wrote were um like little adventures with me and my friends from school like battling monsters like with like you know John and his pals fighting Dracula or <laughs> John and his pals fighting Satan you know it's like, you know, and like, had like decapitations and like severed limbs you know and the teacher was really modified but also was encouraging of my creativity so that's like you know a good sign but yeah um horror stayed with me all throughout and it's definitely like even now it's kind of like my kind of like happy place where often times after like a busy day of like you know writing or doing whatever else my kind of like cool down routine at the end of the day is like you know I'll do yoga and while I'm doing yoga I'll often like put on like some trashy slasher from the 1980s <laughs> while I'm doing it like, you, know, like, you know it's like if I don't even do my dog and I look up to see someone get an axe in their head and I'm like ah you know but that's yeah. amazing like you, you always see like when people do yoga there's like they calming music and it's like this peaceful yeah, scene screaming you're you're the, like the you're, you're doing stretches and people are just screaming bloody murder that's <laughs> oh, awesome michael myers running around slashing people <laughs> like chainsaw buzzies in the background <laughs> hey man that's all like whatever gets whatever makes you like tick like you know like your clock is working wonderfully and it's it's precise and your the books you're dropping man are, are super impressive uh i i was introduced to you through sync right so like everybody said like that was that was the book to read and um i'm so honestly like when i read sync i didn't know what i was getting into because there's <laughs> you there's like the image right of the van and the and the the creepy people in their masks and so like i thought it was like one of those um well a i didn't know it was going to be like one shots you know i thought it was, it was going to be like a one of those home invasion stories where like the people break in and like you know, terrify the rich people and traumatize <laughs> them and so like i was real shocked that you know like this collection of one shots which was just so well done and you have like a really i don't, I don't know if you're if you handpick your artists or if you just like fall into the right places but like all your books have like i mean your your prose and writing is great but you are always teamed up with great art and yeah, I, think, I think that's I think the art, best skill yeah. that a writer can have is like choosing the right artist to make them look good <laughs> you know? but yeah and no, i like and in terms of like you know sync i definitely feel like you know a lot of folk weren't expecting it to be uh in a one-shot format i mean i remember when i first did that first issue and i had like you know mr big with his fox mask like beating up criminals with his shovel and then it had like the blue van clowns you know like you know trialing the streets of glasgow picking up victims that had all these kind of iconic aspects of sync and then issue i was really worried about issue two when i had none of that it was like, this really quiet story instead of like leaving droves but thankfully they didn't and kind of stuck along with it which is good yeah and so you um are are you part of like are, are you part owner of comics tribe like are you oh uh, no. no okay <laughs> no. you just i I thought you might have been like a, like a founder or something. No, like, well, I kind of may have been with them like since the beginning. I mean, the story of like Comics Tribe goes that um, 
my very first comic, which was the standard, which I first started writing in late 2008, early 2009, first zero started producing in like um, 2010, and it finally got its like diamond release in like 2013. But that was like the first book that I ever made, and it was like Stephen Forbes um, was the editor in that book. And I'd met Stephen Forbes through an online column called The Proving Grounds, which he did before could submit their scripts and he'd edit them and give feedback. And he gave, and he like, you know, and he really was like really encouraging of my stuff. Like, he, I think he, he messaged me after the fact and said, like, this is the first like script that like, I had kind of read the excerpt that I was using from a column and I kept turning to the end because I wanted to see what happened next. And he said, I think this is something that we could produce so he kind of like held my hand through the process of making my first comic showed me the whole thing about finding artists like what you do and how you format etc etc and then it got to the point of like pitching the book once it was finished and we pitched a couple of places but then he kind of messaged me and he said well look if you want to keep on pitching this book around like you know i'm happy to do that like you know you'll have my support but you know, haven't they given that you've not, you know, made anything? I'm not sure like what the odds are. And he's like, um, but I do have a friend like Tyler James who's wanting to launch his own comic imprint. And he's like, and he said he's looking for a kind of roster of the books. And the plan is going to be he's going to start off as a kind of website with a resource for creators, like you know, reviewing like you know, columns and how-to guides and things. Stephen Forbes is moving the proving grounds over to there as well. And then he said, but then after that, um, we're going to start launching our own books. And, you know, and I'm thinking the standard could be one of that lineup. And so, yeah, I thought, well, I, I don't really want to just be pitched. I've been writing this book for long enough. I don't want to just be pitching it forever as well and it never going anywhere. So if, like, you know, comics travel on it, publish it, that's great. And so, yeah, the rest is history from there. Like, I went to my first New York Comic Con. New York Comic Con 2011 was literally the first convention I'd ever done of any size. It was terrifying. <laughs> um, I think I did, like, you know, the a little mart at, like, my local university, like, you know, in front of, like, with, like, where, like three people walked in the door. Then the next weekend, I did New York Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, you know, so I met all those guys, like, Tyler and, like, Steve, you know, and Joe Mulvey, um, who's, like, an artist that does, like, scam and did... Um, we own Blade, you know. I met all those guys for the first time, and like they became like you know like my comics family pretty much. But like you know, they were among the first folk in comics that I met and knew and supported me. And so I've all this has pretty much got to like thing. I think in some degree, I'd love to be doing something with Comics Tribe always. Like you know, so after the Standard, we did the Emily was gone with them as well, and that was a big hit for Comics Tribe at the time. I think it was like, the biggest hit they released at that point. And then like um, I mean Tyler like is pretty pragmatic he's always said to me like you know that like if I want to go make books elsewhere like you know that I'm good enough to do that but he says um, if you go and pitch your books elsewhere and nobody else wants to do them like come back to comics right? <laughs> you do them, you know? so and then with Emily was gone that happened like you know and this, the funny thing is with my books like neither was Emily was gone or sync like I pitched those books everywhere and nobody wanted them and the kind of story of my career is that I mean I think I'm an alright writer I think I'm a pretty good writer but I'm not a good pitcher so I'll write these books <laughs> and the pitches are just terrible for them like you know you can't, you're trying to pitch, pitch and sync you know <laughs> to, oh it's a bunch of one shots and this story happens happens and that story happens so the funny thing that would happen is i'd pitch all these books around and then like publishers would turn them down and then like i go to comics tribe and release them through comics tribe and then once they finish books they've got oh that's what that book's like like the publisher's like you know <laughs> they said no but oh yeah that was really good like you should have gave me us like i did <laughs> but, um yeah like um yeah but so like comics tribe yeah no i don't i'm not like i'm a uh, owner or anything but i'm very much like i consider myself like a founding member of the of 
like that collective and like I definitely like you know I in Comics Tribe and Tyler inspire that kind of loyalty where I kind of often find myself like talking about Comics Tribe as like we rather than they um, <laughs> so definitely like you know and I think their kind of growth has kind of went alongside my growth and yeah so I definitely like you know I'm invested a lot in Comics Tribe's success um, either even if it's not in terms of literal ownership you know emotional investment is definitely strong enough for it's it's definitely a publisher worth worth diving into. I mean, the talent that you guys house there, like yourself and and Ryan Lindsay did did the she with yeah, them and yeah, Wailing Blade and uh, oh, there's the, the the brand new one uh, that that Mulvey drew. Um, oh, that Happy I, Hill. Yes, yes, I'm real stoked yep. for that. That should be shipping soon. I think I'm pretty. I'm yeah, pretty no, it's like that. you know, like I see. I know like Joe Mulvey's been working on Happy Hill for a long time, and like I've. Heard, I've had many like conversations, like you know, convention tables with him and his plans for it. So it's really satisfying to kind of see that come to life. And he's got a great partner, um, with Rich, you know, you know, bring it to life with him. And yeah, I think it's gonna be a really cool book. Yeah, Rich is Rich is a good dude. I'm trying to. Uh, hopefully rich listens, but I don't. I'm, I'm really trying to get him on the show. He's just busy. He's get, man. He's getting like. He's getting like big two gigs now, so yeah, I, no, I got like I got to get him on the show for you. Too Marvel cool. BC in the year twenty twenty one. Like you know, I'm really happy for him because like Rich is a guy again going way back to like my first Comic Con in like twenty eleven, where I remember it was um that first show. Like you know, there was I didn't know anybody apart from like the comics tribe folk, and even them I was meeting for the first time in person, like at the show. And I remember it was um Rich Duick and Paul Aller um both came to the table at the same time and they'd met each other. For the first time at that show as well and like hi you know we are so like i kind of think of like myself as being as part of that group and that generation like you know i think like you know so every time i see them getting like a cool gig or something i think oh it's cool to see like you know like both like the mac and like wave like you know starting to break out and yeah no so it's cool like you know like i say i've known him for a decade now so it's nice to see him kind of like all that hard work he's put in really paying off now yeah well i mean same with you at um you know, AWA is is no slouch publisher. They've been um, they've been making big waves the last couple of years with their titles. And you were hotel. The original hotel was part of their big wave. One of their wave one, like when they came out swinging a couple of years was ago. Indeed. Yeah, I like. Well, the funny story about that was, um, yeah, it was part of like their big launch lineup and had a massive like launch day plan. There was going to be signings coordinated all over the world, like both sides of the Atlantic. You know. You know, a massive event but it just happened to forward the week where that was going to happen it was a week that like everything shut down because of like, the oh. pandemic so it never happened but um yeah no in terms of like you jumping on awa like that was a really cool kind of like thing the way that worked out because like obviously i'd made sync and like i remember out the blue one day um i got like a notification that Alex, Alon- Alex Axel Alonso had followed me on Twitter and I was like you know oh this must be someone pretending to be Axel Alonso <laughs> you know but no it actually was the real <laughs> Axel Alonso like he was verified and everything um and then like he made any like you know DM me a while later and he was like you know um I really love sync I'd love to like talk to you about like working on something at some point and like at the time I said to him well I'm about to leave for New York Comic Con but maybe when I get back home we can like arrange like you know a call or something and he's like ah but New York as well so like um we should meet up so i ended up being i think it was like the tuesday before the show like um i met axel alonso for lunch and i took him to some like we italian place and you know we talked about like he said like he liked sync like my work and he's like he talked about the time what became awa's like i'm working on i'm an editor-in-chief of a new publisher 
and we're looking to kind of bring in some new talent to showcase and I'd love to have like a book from you and he's like so like any active pictures you've got like send them my way um, or we'll do, or work on something new so none of the pictures I had at the time really fit what he was looking for but he's like so I started like you know pitching ideas it was the first time like of because I'm used to like developing an idea and then pitching it to publisher and I'm saying no. Like, so like having like, you know, someone specifically say we're looking for ideas from you, give us something. Um, that was my first experience of like pitching on spec like that. So based on the conversations I'd had with that, so like you said at the time, like he loves like the setting of like an old hotel. He was thinking of it as more like for a crime story, I think, rather than a horror story, but they kind of set my mind went to horror. Um, and like you said, like, you know, if you get anything else with clowns in it, and I was like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, you know, I ended up trying to think of something that was like very different, like, while still being a clowny thing. And I kind of threw all those kind of things in the pot, and I came up with Hotel. Um, although at the time it was called um, Next Exit, No Vacancy. That was my kind of original title for it. It was Axel that came up with Hotel with the two L's. Um, and like, so yeah, like, and I put this thing together, like I say, and it was like, you asked earlier on, like, how did I, you know, choose artists? Are they chosen for me, et cetera? Every other project I've worked on, I've chosen the artist. There's been someone that I know or someone Ooh. I found, you know. And like with things like Emily Was Gone or like Mountainhead with Ryan Lee, it was specifically me writing something tailored to the artist. Like, and, like what would they be good at drawing? This was a great experience where like I came on board, like I wrote a pitch that had no art involved, and they just kind of accepted me just based on my writing. And then they found the whole creative team for me. So if you look at the creative team, you have Dal Bertal each, because the artist, you have Lee Lowridge for the letter, you have Salsa piano for the letter um they, they're all like legit talent having like marvel dc credits mm. i'm the kind of nobody in that in that group by comparison you know and like when you look at that opening lineup like you know of books that ew release say like big heavy hitters like jim michael shazinski i was like you know am i going to get totally overshadowed here but it ended up being a big hit for them like i think it was like their second highest selling book behind the resistance um and so, wow. like, I mean, I was like, obviously, I have high expectations for every book that I work on, but I think the response to Hotel like totally went past even like any of my own like you know biggest hopes um <laughs> folk just really seem to love this book and really and really seem to resonate with them um for those who don't know like hotel is a kind of horror anthology it's like setting this old hotel off route 66 um and the idea is that officially it doesn't exist you wouldn't find it in any map but like you know if you're traveling alone in the road and you're in urgent need of secrecy or sanctuary <laughs> you'll maybe see the sign in the road that will take you there um so that's the kind of like format for it but it's so I thought it's a pretty simple format, but onto that, a lot of folk really kind of like built a really strong interest. Like we had like you know retailers really responding to it, um, saying like folk were picking up like mad. We had you know the kind of community of readers, you know, and on the internet and the Twitter and things that like messaged us, said they loved it, post like YouTube reviews, tagged me, tagged AWA, saying like when are we getting more? When are we getting a volume two? I think they probably deserve a lot of credit for why we are getting <laughs> a volume two. So yeah, and that's what brings us to like doing volume two. Yeah, I knew I noticed that um it had a huge like I would always see like a lot of my mutuals and and you know just from following you and A and the AWA guys and it was just like you know every a few times a week like the people would, would just write at at you or AWA or both and be like when are we getting more like I'm ready for more uh, and I'm, I thought it was cool that that happened I I love the premise of that it just the the idea of like 
this horrific place only appears when you need it but like who would ever need this right like the, these people are like down and out and their lives aren't that great right now and then and this place shows up like like the devil in the desert with christ right like it's just yeah. like it's like come come get a room like we'll we'll keep you safe <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah um, basically and it's the idea is like you know as people at the lowest ebb or folk and i can invite at a crossroads and it's like they go to this hotel to get tested you know and some folk pass the test and some folk don't and their stay becomes a lot longer than they might have anticipated <laughs> and just i mean like the it, it was super creepy i think the the walls the the story where the 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 reporter comes to find her sister and like just the that that like messed with me man like the the imagery too but just the idea of like oh being strung up next to your dead sibling while this like creepy spider guy looking dude like <laughs> is crawling around these yeah. these crevices of the walls and stuff it's it's it, people that are listening that haven't read it you really should check it out you're yeah, you I mean, are that really me, like, good is the scariest issue that i've written in the series i think and it really kind of freaked kind of ticked my boxes but it freaks me out like um <laughs> And obviously, I was thinking of like, you know, people under the stairs, but isn't really yeah. a horror per se, like, you know, or it is a horror, but the horror part of it isn't necessarily the folk in the walls, but that kind of imagery of like hidden spaces between rooms and under rooms, you know, and that, you know, and the claustrophobia and, you know, inherent in that, I think that's something that's quite evocative and powerful, like, you know, and so, yeah, like, that was something that really kind of like ticked my boxes of what freaks me out. So I tried to convey <laughs> that on the page as best I could. Well, yeah, that idea of like uh, unwanted voyeurism, right? Like, I mean, that's that's a rumor in like those in those like kind of seedy hotel places is like, you know, like the cameras behind the the cameras behind the mirrors yeah. and weird yeah, stuff like, like you know, that. There's a documentary released about that, like, you know, I think it was called Voyeur. It was a Netflix that kind of conveyed that same idea. I think just in general, I think like hotel rooms, like, you know, are an underrated, like, you know, venue like for like scary stories and horror like i remember i wrote about this and um the initial forward that i did for um like hotel volume one um where i remember one point like because my mind just goes to like scary places all the time and that's the curse of like writing horror but i remember one point i was like in my hotel like in new york and like and i was like in the bathroom like i was like sitting taking a dump <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and, you know, i was like you know like the, the bathroom door was open and i could see like you know the, the mirror and you know like the main room reflect the, the bathroom and like you know, reflected in that mirror was like the bed, and the bed was like um one of those beds that's kind of like just the mattress, and you have like an empty space underneath. And I just had this idle thought of like how creepy would it be if you were looking in that mirror and you could see someone underneath their bed, like you know, like looking <laughs> out at you. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and that kind of imagery, kind of like I just think there's something about like hotels that kind of like they kind of even the nice ones have a kind of rundown quality to them. I think because so many folk are in and out of them, like you know, and like you know, like it's kind of like a modern cousin to the haunted house in a lot of ways you know because like all these places have histories and yeah i think it's a rich fodder for like you know scary stories nice so you you um you know a lot of your stuff that i've read is is one shots and i as um <clears throat> excuse me sorry um as as someone who so like i i have a i was in an mfa program and i would write short stories and like short stories and shorts and comics i think are really impressive uh like in anthologies or in um like when you do these one shots like with sync and hotel where there's there's like a loose connection but they are they are very much their own stories right and i just think it's wildly impressive just because you know with comics you're already limited um you're limited you don't you don't get you can't be too wordy with your script right you only get 22 to 23 pages or so maybe a little bit more if you're if if, if you're in a 
you know, on the indie side or Kickstarter side, and you can kind of go a little longer, but to tell like a story that um, it kind of entrances and terrifies you and, and it's complete, right? Like the, a character goes through something and comes out of it different, like to do all that in, in, in less than 30 pages, man, like that's, that's intense. And you do that all the time. Like you just, you just crank out these really beautiful, horrifying one shots and, and blow all our minds. Um, but now you're, you've got a new one, uh, uh, Crimson Cage, and you're, you're, you're venturing away. You're staying with the horror, but you're venturing away from your one shot format. Um, what do you, I mean, is it, uh, is, is it kind of weird to switch your gears like that? Like, where's your, I mean, sorry, I was just going to say like, where's your, where's your comfort zone at? Like, it, I mean, do you like, like the one and done aspects or are you like, you get to tell a bigger story here, I feel like. And there's a lot, like we, there's a lot of lore and culture that you get to play with. I mean, I think Bobby, like, I feel like I've always enjoyed like having like my feet, like, you know, in both um sort of pools um i think both have their advantages you know like obviously like you know like you say like if an ongoing or whatever or a mini series you have more time to like you know tell a bigger story but i do like really i do really enjoy the one shot format part of it i think is because it's like a rich tradition of like anthologies and one shots both like you know in horror i mean you have all things like tales from the crypt you know or like various horror anthology movies like creep show whatever but also, um, like, in the UK, like, there's a real, like, rich tradition of, like, the anthology one-and-done format. Like I was talking about before, the ghost story for Christmas, those were one-and-dones, you know. Um, and, you know, like, you know, like, whistle and I'll come to you and all those, like, like one-and-done scary stories. But you also have, like, series like um, Black Mirror or Inside Number Nine, um, which are getting, like, little, like, self-contained stories. And I think that's an interesting format, I also think it's an interesting challenge, like you said, like, you know, you have to do a lot in a single issue, you have to introduce characters, you have to introduce a conflict, you have, like, a story gets set up and resolved, um, but I think that's an interesting challenge, I think, like, it's made me, like, a better storyteller in long form, being so, like, you know, like, refining my skills doing one shots. So I think we can easily fall into the habit of decompression and taking ages to get to the point. I mean, if you remember back in the day, like Spider-Man's origin stories were like eight pages or something like that, you know, <laughs> and we used to be able to cover a lot of ground and like, you know, letting a lot of space. But now, like, you know, it's like you take an issue for someone to get their pants on and go to bed. Um, so <laughs> I think that like, um, that it's like, you know, good to kind of have a good, that kind of like exercise. And also I think, it, you know, in the business side of things, I really like the idea, like when I was a kid, I mean, when I was first getting into comics, I, lo I loved being able to just like walking in the comic shop and go, okay, I want to be the Spider-Man comic, you know, or like, you know, or a Batman comic. And he'd walk around and just look and go, oh, that cover looks good. I'll grab this story. And then you'd pick it up and you could just get into reading it. Like, you know, and it'd be a great story. You wouldn't have to go back to issue one or the start of the current volume or whatever, mm. you know. And like, and I want to kind of capture that vibe of like, if someone's heard of Sync, you know, and they think, oh, I want to give Sync a go, and they walk into the comic shop, they don't have to go, well, do you have volume one or do you have issue one in stock? Can I get caught up? They can just walk in and they can see, like, I don't know, Sync issue eight, you know, whatever, with, like, the family on the cover, and they go, that's an interesting image, and they pick it up and they get a story that's, like, you know, like, you know, maybe if you've been reading up to this point, you'll maybe have the reward for the little links, but if you've not read up to there, 
you got a self-contained story, you know, you're jumping on board and like, you know, you can just start reading. And I like the idea of like, say the hotel is the same thing. You can pick up any issue and it's just like, you can start reading and enjoy it. And maybe you'll want to go back and read the rest of it after you've read that first issue, but you can just kind of like pick it up and read it. And also from a horror perspective, I think it's a nice exercise that nobody's safe. There's nothing guaranteed. Like, you know, there's no guarantee that like the main character in issue two is going to come back for issue three. Um, so that adds a kind of like facade of suspense and tension, which kind of makes things even richer. But um, on the flip side, like I said, like, you know, I do enjoy like writing longer form stuff as well. It's nice being able to play with like setup and, you know, letting characters develop over the course of like five issues. Um, obviously, um, like, with the Crimson Cage, I have a certain narrative roadmap, which we'll go into, you know, but, like, I just like the idea of, like, starting with a character in issue one, maybe they go, like, here's how they looked in the first issue, and then, like, you know, going to issue five and going, here's the journey they went on, and, like, like Mountainhead was like that, like, you know, like, taking a character on a journey, like, you know, where they start one place and ends up somewhere radically different, like, I like that kind of, like, the, the serialised format lets you play with that in, like, interesting ways. Um, so yeah, I'm enjoying like, you know, getting to play in that today and again as well. How long are you planning on running Crimson Cage for? Well, the Crimson Cage, um, to like, um, give people a little bit of an introduction for it, it is um, the premise of the Crimson Cage is a retelling of William Shakespeare's Macbeth sent against the backdrop of like the 1980s, <laughs> like pro wrestling territories. Um, so kind of like the setup is like Chuck Frenzy, who's our main character, is this kind of like main event star of like a small um louisiana um promotion he's like kind of like a beloved local hero but like a big fish in a small pond and after like this terrifying encounter with these like supernatural entities in the bayou um he is given a prophecy that he's destined to be the next world champion so when the current world champion kind of comes to his territory to work a few dates like he starts to think what am I going to do to make my destiny happen for me? And I won't go any further because I don't want to spoil a 400-year-old story in case you're not going to read it yet, but um, it doesn't go anywhere good. But so in terms of like, you know, how long is it going to run for, like the very nature of it being like an adaptation of like Macbeth means it's like five acts. So like it's like an act per issue pretty much. You know, it's going to be a five-issue miniseries. Um, having said that, I do think it's a really cool world and a cool like, you know, Thing to play with so i would definitely be up for doing like more kind of like you know shakespeare wrestling adaptations <laughs> if folk kind of like enjoy this one so um yeah watch this space yeah it's 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 a trip man and your your team is is phenomenal like you've got uh you've you've got uh um, well, my, my alex... comics life partner alex cormack yeah. like, oh he's know? so good he's so <laughs> I work good with on sync and oxymoron and god knows what else like you know i wonder what like, i talked to before i feel like i want to be doing something the comics type forever but i want to be working with alex cormack forever in some fashion i'm just trying to get as much as i can out of him until like the big leagues pick him up and like when he leaves me behind <laughs> but um yeah no he's a great talent he's like super his stuff is just looks great like i'm at the point now where um whenever like i think of a new comic idea like and i'm visualizing like the story in my head my mind just automatically like imagines it as drawn by alex cormack so i have <laughs> to like sometimes make an effort to try and get other artists on board because alex can only draw so much <laughs> um but there's always been like this great artist who like fits my style and sensibilities perfect on top of that like can you know, be super fast like he pumps out, like a page a day when he's going like you know oh, wow. and it's, like, sometimes more and um he's also the nicest guy as well he's so like you know like i'll talk, I'll talk to him pretty much every day we 
whether it's about pages or just like you know what's going on etc well you know and he's just like the most lovely sweetest guy so when folks say about that like you know that triangle that pyramid you can have someone who's good you can have someone that's fast you can have someone that's nice you know at most you'll get two probably you'll only get one he's all three so um I, you know i'm delighted to be working with him and ashley cormack is his wife um, who is colour in this book. Um, Alex does his own colours in some books as well, but I think because it most sync is mostly him colouring himself. But okay. like he had done some stuff with Ashley and I'd seen some stuff with Ashley, and there's a certain vibe when Ashley does his stuff that um I think it brings out a certain different quality to it. There's more texture to it, like the way Ashley colours. I think it's a great match. Ashley isn't, doesn't do a lot of colouring because, like, she's got a whole other career of her own. But for this book, I said, you know, can we get Ashley on board? And thankfully, Ashley had said to Alex, you know, oh, I want to work on this book too before that. So it just worked out great um, that she's doing the colours. Um, and it's gonna, I think it's cool having like a husband and wife art team as well. Yeah, that is and obviously cool. Hassan wants me know how the letter. Like, I'm a huge fan of his. Like, I love, like, I think he's got a great mind for comics and storytelling. Um, I'm a big fan of panel by panel, strip panel naked, you know. And I had it in my mind I wanted to work with him on something for a while. So when I also saw him talking about wrestling, like on Twitter at one point, I thought, oh, like, so he likes wrestling too. You know, <laughs> this is a great match. So, um, yes, yeah, so, like I put together, like I'd say, a dream team. Um, and I'm really excited that we're all getting to work together on this book, which is a dream project of mine as well. Yeah, I, I'm the 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 powers combined, man. It's it's like the the Captain Planet scenario, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you've got the I think. I think you've got one of the best letters in the in the comic book game right now. Period. Um, I feel like yeah. I feel like him and Aditya are are on all, all the big. Oh yeah, books, uh, right? Aditya's another one of my bottom. My, I was going to say my bar list, like my bucket <laughs> list. <laughs> I'm going to make up something else called the bar list. No, no. Is he on my bucket list of letters? I'd love to work with on something like you know. I think he's great. Um, though I will say I've been quite blessed with like the letters I've been able to work with like over the years like you know um, like Sal Soprano is like a pro's pro like you know so prolific um, Sean Lee who does like mm. um, sync with me and like in did Mountainhead he's just great like he's so like he's actually a really good guy to talk to as well he has some great insights and story himself and like you know um, and then back in the day, I worked with Colin Bell, like, you know, on like my UK book, like, and then when he was gone, he did the first issue of Sync. He's great too. I think letters are like really underrated, you know, in terms of what they bring to a book. So I'm thankful that I've been able to work with some good ones. Yeah, it, I've mentioned this before, but it, it bums me out that like people don't really notice the the importance and and power of of a good letter until you come across bad lettering, and it can yeah. really it can really hurt the book. And and where I've I've seen most of the, I mean most publishers even on the indie side are are careful with their letters and and hire that out. But it, it it's in it's in like some Kickstarter stuff that I've yeah. backed, and I won't like throw anyone under the bus or anything. But the, you can tell sometimes when they'll they'll try and save a buck or two and like letter it themselves or, or just, yeah, no, you can or see just type it in and... like how hard can it be you know <laughs> yeah, exactly and now we've got that there's that the um the new uh uh piecos just dropped that new lettering uh book uh like oh from image um well, i'm ahead to that yeah uh <laughs> we can hold on, i can clean this up in editing while i google this uh lettering all right um doo, doo, doo. uh nate piecos uh the essential guide to comic book lettering it came out last week oh well that's that's really impressive you just had that the hand right away just off the back of your head you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah it, everybody everybody's saying like it's it's worth a read like just as from like a, a comics purchasing fan perspective to people that 
to creators to people that study it and i guess it's it's supposed to be a real big thing and uh nate was nate was tweeting out that like um i guess image even ordered extra copies because the pre-orders were so high and it's they're having like shops and stuff are having a hard time keeping it on the shelf so people are real interested right. in it so i'm hoping <laughs> i'm hoping that opens up more eyes so people see that it, you know there's there's more to lettering than lettering right it's not it's not just <laughs> texts and fonts and you know it's also like placement and you know yeah it's, and, it's and an guiding the deal. eye through the page you know yeah. it's like yeah it does a lot it's great that's i think that's so one of the coolest things about comics is like the team effort like it's it's really rad when like people can come out and like draw on color and letter it themselves you know like like all power to you like that's you're you're a rock star if you can do that you know like jeff lemire or something um yeah. is a name comes to mind but i think it's really cool when when creators uh you i know, think they're too powerful and should be destroyed <laughs> they're not they're not human <laughs> <laughs> they've risen they've risen from a dark place and their powers are too great dark chaotic energy working there <laughs> but i just i love the i love the idea of like you know uh coming together and like you, you build this relationship right and then every everybody everybody puts their blood sweat and tears onto a page and that makes like the yeah, magic i just comedy. want the collaboration of it yeah absolutely yeah it's neat it's cool and and like like you said you've you've had a you know you're you've been in the gig long enough where you're you're uh you've got a good reputation and, and you know a lot of these people a lot you know you know them well now and so it's like you're getting to work with friends to like tell these stories that the that last give, thing that i think i'm really lucky <laughs> i guess it's been a long time since i've had to just go in like the artist hunt like you know and like put up ads or whatever like uh, ever since like this the standard like was put together like through me like going in digital web and which not sure if that even exists anymore like you know and like finding artists and stuff <laughs> but ever since then every project i've worked on has been like me going to my friends and saying like do you want to work on something together and like that's I'm going cool. all right you know like, you know so obviously apart from hotel like you know which is put together by awa but i'm um, even even with hotel like after volume one like you know like i did like i wrote the scripts before like i said a word to dalibor um but like in between volumes like i met dalibor at new york comic-con 2019 and we really hit it off and we got on well like you know we hang, you know, hung out for a while and we did the signings together like you know we really kind of like you know vibe uh, and it meant that coming back for volume two, one of the best things about that has been getting to message Dalibor and saying, what do you want to draw? Like, what interests you? Like, mm -hmm. I can now I have the advantage of, like, writing, knowing what artists I'm writing for, so what kind of stories do you want to tell? And the second issue in particular of this volume is something that's just, like, became conversations with Dalibor, and I'm saying, like, here's the kind of thing that I'd love to do, and me kind of, like, writing to that challenge, which I think is a fun thing to be able to play with. So okay, so not not only can you write a successful one shot, you can just have your artists like pitch you random images, and then you <laughs> then you come up with an amazing story, like that. Well, like, that's dark magic, sir. Like that. <laughs> someone should destroy me. <laughs> no, never do that. No, we need, the the genre needs you. You are you are a, a champion of the comics industry and, and a champion of horror. And so I I'm glad you're around. But yeah, that's like I said, man. Your your writing is just very impressive. You're and it's so interesting talking to you because your stuff is so dark and twisted. And weird and you're just like a very bright smiley like happy person like it's funny you know they, they always say like separate the the art from the artist right but it's you always wondered like 
how it's going to like, are you know, like, are you going to be like brooding and weird and say like really cryptic odd shit? Or are you just, are you going to like make people laugh? And I don't like, think you find that a lot of times though, if folk that do horror, like, you know, like some of the cheeriest, like, you know, like, maybe because we get it all out of it in the page, you know, and it's like the folk yeah. who do like happy, clappy, like kids stuff that are the really like grim ones, you know, exactly <laughs> bottled inside. But no, like, you know, like, um, like I say, like, you know, I write um, ghoulish stuff, but hopefully that doesn't relate to me being like a ghoulish person like <laughs> that is an interesting point though that that you guys kind of like get your demons out on the pages right like uh, do you do you find it like thera- therapeutic like does it help you with some of life's um, darker I, I'm moments not sure, i wouldn't really say i don't you know honestly speaking like i'm not sure if it's like i have like you know like deep rooted like you know things that i'm trying to like work through in the page then it's basically like because i think i would be giving myself too much credit it's basically just because like i have like a twisted mind and i'll be like have a nice sunny day and i'll be out walking my dog like you know and i'll walk past like you know like a bit like a trash like a can like you know filled with like bags you know like, overloading the side i'll just cheerfully think hmm, i wonder if that's a dead body in there you know, like, <laughs> that's just like where my mind seems to go you know, when I go up and I got the stories, and even if I try and come up with like you know, um, like a kind of like a, a more light-hearted story, whatever, like it seems my mind always seems to take it to like you know the horror place. Like as I say, I think it's just because for me, like that's some of the purest storytelling is like in horror. Like you know, I think that's where my mind always gravitates towards. So I think it's just a case of that. Really, it's as simple as that. That's awesome. So as, as we mentioned earlier, it's you know we're we're at the the height of spooky season. Which which, which can of course continue longer than than the calendar tells us it can uh i, I always spooky season to me at least goes till christmas like i just yeah. feel like like think like thanksgiving is like halloween with food right that's how <laughs> i want it to be um but so what uh i mean i've been watching some some new horror stuff and, and i've i've come across like a handful of gems um i haven't found much that like i've watched some good movies but i haven't found anything that like really freaked me out like last year the dark and the wicked like fucked me up man like i watched it by myself and i had the lights out and the surround sound going and about like 40 hour into the movie i'm real i'm sitting in this chair and i'm like i'm holding myself i'm like and i'm like i was like legit terrified and i'm you know i'm like a i'm a sick puppy right so like i'm i want that experience i like being scared it's a it's an interesting and exciting feeling and um i just i've been watching some stuff i just watched the night house and it was good and very cerebral and kind of hallucinogenic and weird yeah yeah, after that one it it wasn't like i don't i don't know man it's like it's like i I haven't had anything that's like made made me even jump that much like which is cool because i'm kind of over jump scares like you know traumatize me don't frighten me with sounds you know like (laughs) i'm like i can watch like i'm pretty like you know jd when it comes to horror i can watch whatever but jump scares just like i I don't know what it is i just can't handle i'm the kind of person night where i'm so like bad with like jumps and jumpy loud noises that my idea of like hell like if someone to like put me in like a hell dimension like what would be your worst nightmare is being like in a kind of like small cramped like train carriage or like bus next to a kid that's holding a balloon and it's like squeezing the balloon like and it's, it's gonna pop and i'm like oh my god no no like, like, that's just like hell for me like i can't handle like loud noises so i'm not a fan of like jump scares at the best of time you know um but like yeah for me like i think it's a different reaction like a jump scare like you know isn't really like horror like you know like you know i jump and go and you jump you know and then that's it like you know um then like it's done with doesn't stay with you really it's just like a kind of moment it's like an it's not necessarily like you know playing with your mind 
is playing with like your body's responses. Mm-hmm. And also, having said that, I think certain jump scares can be done really well, but I'm a kind of a bit of like a horror snob where the horror where the jump scare has to be and like in, integrated into the world of the movie. Like, for example, like go back to like arguably the first ever jump scare, like the Luton bus, you know, which is we know they call it. That's why they call it jump scare Luton bus is cat people. Um, but it's like um the woman's walking home in the dark, like by herself, and she, you know, she does something stalking her, and she keeps on looking over her shoulders, and she sees footsteps following her, and eventually she gets to like the corner, and you hear this kind of, this kind of growling sound, and then it's the bus coming up, like you know, but you know, but it's an actual bus sound effect, like this was not a cheat. What I hate is when the sound mix comes up, and then probably adding like, so you're not actually jumping at anything in the movie, you're just jumping at like you know, some someone pressing a button, going you know, but. Um, so yeah, like you know, I forgot even what we're talking about. I got so sidetracked with like jump scares. <laughs> oh, I was trying to be like, you know, what, what horror scares me. Not much new stuff lately. I've actually been watching a lot of like old stuff. Um, you know, going back to like you know, the um, oh, uh, you mentioned Shudder, like you know, there's a couple of there's a few great golden oldies in Shudder, which properly creep me out. A couple of found footage movies. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of found footage, but a couple that are genuinely really freaked me out, like proper, like once the lights were out at night time, I was like, you know, what's going on here? And one was Noroi the Curse, um, and another one's Lake Mungo. Those yes! Movies, yeah, those oh, movies probably scared the shit out of me, like, you know, in a way that a lot of more polished horror movies don't. Um, I think it's because there's something about that, like, early 2000s, like, you know, low-quality DVD, home video recording, like, setup. It feels real, and it has that kind of, you know, like, layer of, like, you know, um, authenticity, which then makes it feel uncomfortably close to home and the scary stuff starts happening. And because of that low visual quality, you're kind of, like, you're peering into it and you're looking to see if you can see anything, and sometimes you do see something there. I think that's a real kind of, like, magic formula for scares for me. And those movies in particular, like, Lake Mungo um, has like one proper terrifying moment in it. Mostly it's an emotional story rather than a frightening story. But like when the scares happen, they do like, you know, um, happen big time. Not like the curse is like two hours of emotional assault. Like it's like the scariest <laughs> bits of like Lake Mungo, like it played out over the entirety of a film. Um, and I, I was literally like watching it in the dark, like, you know, looking over my shoulder and I heard a noise like, when, I was, when I was watching it in the curse. Um, so that's like, if you wasn't scared, check that out. But also, there's another great old film, um, even older actually, uh, on Shudder called Messiah of Evil. I think that's a fascinating movie. It came out, and I think it was actually the same year, or maybe a couple of years later, The Night of the Living Day. I think it was like 1972. So it would have been a few years later, 1972, I think it was. And it's this kind of like weird, kind of like left hand companion piece to Night of the Living Dead, where it's like, um, it's like this like woman who goes and search for father to this kind of like um new town in California. It's like nothing about the town's right, like people aren't acting quite normal, and like you know, and it's just as this real kind of atmosphere of just dread and like just sinking your. And there's a couple of set pieces in this film, which even now, like near fifty years later, are still proper like scary and stress inducing um 
and a really well done movie. So yeah, Messiah of Evil, check that out. Um, trying to think of other good scary movies that I've seen. Dead, I think I mentioned this in a couple of other podcasts, but Dead and Buried is another great movie. Came out in nineteen eighty one. It's from the it's in the screenwriters of Alien. Um, and it's like again, it's kind of like a twist on the zombie story, like you know, but it's kind of like a pre Romero zombie, but given a modern twist, and it's super violent, like super like um like really kind of like you know nasty, you know, and kind of black like comic as well. Um, and since we're talking about like Christmas and stuff, I actually watched for the first time ever just a couple of week or so ago, Black Christmas. Um, I've heard that's it, really good. I've, it's, it's, I tell this really good as well. But I kind of thought, ah, how good is it going to be? Really, it is genuinely excellent. Like it nice. takes like because it's like it's pre slasher formula. Like you know, it's a slasher movie that came out four years before Halloween, so the formula isn't really in place. It doesn't have the whole thing of like you know, oh, the horny kids go and like you know shag, and then like someone comes and kills them <laughs> while they're naked. It doesn't play with that formula at all. Like you know, it actually because it's like not familiar. And it's not a formula like it actually feels like genuinely like disturbing and unsettling like the killer um in the movie isn't like some kind of silent mass slasher like he just sit he just rambles like incoherent stuff that makes no sense doesn't never really explain and it feels kind of like scary for how credible it is like he just keeps on saying um no matter what woman he's talking to he keeps on saying hey agnes it's me billy um and like you know and it's just the way that line keeps on coming back in the movie like you know it's just super makes your skin crawl and like the way it's framed like i was talking about like christmas earlier on about how it's like you know the warmth of like you know community versus the cold of outside that movie captures that in a nutshell like the opening sequences it's like all the kind of like frat you know this eternity this sorority house all the kind of like sisters are all like you know in the living room the fireplace is burning they're singing Christmas carols like a big cozy jumpers on it gives an intercut to like outside and it's like the POV killer shots I'm trying to find a way into the building and it's just kind of whistling wind and it's just no soundtrack at all and it just feels so cold and barren and then like and over the course of the movie, once he gets in the house, it's like all this lovely stuff happening, but in the dark corner, something terrible is lurking, and the darkness is gradually spreading and spreading through the house. And like it's just really well done and really sinister. And the literally, like, for me, one of the biggest compliments I can give a horror is the last scene of the movie, the last line literally made me shudder. The involuntary action of like a big shudder running through your body. And if a horror can do that, you know, it's like got you. Um so yeah, I'd say Black Christmas. So maybe save it for Christmas, but yeah, <laughs> you know, I'd watch that if you've not seen it. That's that's interesting because okay, so you know, I I remember like Tales from the Crypt as a kid, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So I I was lucky enough where my parents, I mean, like my parents were very active, but they weren't like the kind of parents that were like freaked out about what i watched on tv or no. video games i played right and and i think i i turned out all right i went to college and i have a job and i'm not like a murderer so like you know i don't <laughs> think we it, know of. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> uh but they they um you know they they never cared and and so like when i would have like my birthday parties and stuff we'd have the, these pizza party sleepovers and and you know my friends would all get excited because my parents would let us watch like the exorcist and Candyman and stuff like <laughs> that you know and like we were getting to watch these rated r movies and and i remember like tales watching tales from the crypt as a kid and and occasionally like you know getting super you know as as a kid and a boy you know like oh a boob right and but uh there was this one tales from the crypt episode called killer santa 
and it was about this like guy who escapes from a mental institution on christmas eve and he he like murders a a a, a, a parking lot santa right and like takes the suit and breaks into this house and it messed me up man like it was so terrible and i think that was like one of the first times where I saw that like that holiday could, could cross with terror. Right. And it was like, you don't, you typically associate the two. And so, yeah, that I, I never, uh, I've, I've heard of black Christmas before and I always kind of thought it sounded cheesy, but that's I'm, I'm stoked, man. I'm definitely, no, check definitely it check it out. I can see. And if you, whatever you think it might be, it's not, it's really good. Nice. That's, I like gems like that, man. Like the only thing that oh, when, me, when I say oh, before you move on, one thing I was going to say as well, a little nugget as well, directly, by the same guy who directed the Christmas story. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. No way. No, yeah. So, like, a Christmas double bill for you. <laughs> That's Sorry, crazy. Oh no, I was I wanted to I was gonna pop back into to Lake Mungo, which which uh, I was I recently found that last year. Um, like yeah. it, it, that I love found footage stuff. Like I I'm I don't know why, man. It's I remember going to see the Blair Witch in theaters with my cousins, and I was I was younger, and we went and saw the Blair Witch, and you know for like a month everybody thought it was real that they yeah, actually I was found these to think tapes. It was a real thing that happened. Yeah, and then and then the 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 one the girl who died at the end right like did she showed a, up and like taken the was called. yeah like M- she was on a MT the she did an MTV movie award and like presented an award and everybody was like she's alive we saw you die on tv <laughs> um but yeah that uh so that uh, maybe that's where it's it spawned from but yeah i just i love found footage and, and lake mungo was so uh different and i th- and you kind of hit that nail on the head about how emotional it is and there's like this great sadness in it and i think that that's what makes horror like that, that's where horror great horror comes from is like um scream did it well like scream made you care about its characters and it was also kind of funny and goofy sometimes yeah. like you know good horror latches on to a, a myriad of, of emotions right like it's it's important that it, almost like it tricks you like it it tricks you into trusting it so that it can terrify you like later you know and and uh as a as a creator like is that is that ho- like you make it seem easy, right? But is it, or is that like a, a a stressor? Like when you're when you're on the laptop or the computer writing a script, like it, it, uh, do you have like issues like with the the emotional connection, like with your audience, or does that part come kind of naturally with you? It's difficult because I think there's a couple of different schools of horror, and I've played in both schools. There's a school like you know that kind of like. The tales from the crypt thing of like you know that kind of detached like ha let's watch some bad things happen to people <laughs> oh, you know and they're kind of outside of it and just like delighting like you know like you know people like, often bad people kind of like you know getting horrific things happen to them but and that horror can be enjoyable as well like and I know I almost kind of put like the you know the stupid horny teenagers getting like axed by Jason or whatever <laughs> like you know in the same category like you know like you know that can be fun as well I really enjoy that type of horror that's often the kind of horror that I watch while I'm doing my yoga late at night you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for me, like, I think maybe the, the harder and the scarier type of horror is, like you say, when you make people really, you know, care about a character, you know, like really invest in them and then you have to do bad things to them. Like, you know, and there has been times like, you know, when like I've been writing, like, you know, that issue of Hotel we're talking about or like certain points in Sync or in Mountainhead where I've been writing something and I felt bad, like, you know, and I thought, Oh, no, I don't want to do this, this cat, or this is this is upsetting. Um, 
And I kind of feel that if I feel that way, that's actually a good sign because it would be insulting to expect like other people to be scared by something that doesn't scare me. So, like, you know, if I can find something that kind of, if I'm frightening myself while I'm writing it, then I know I've hit that kind of like good vein of like, you know, people with a similar mentality to me, at least they're going to find it scary too, because I found it scary. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think like as a horror writer, often is that, you know, yes, like I think that's important to kind of like you start when you're wanting to do like proper like, scary horror, I think a good place to start is building character and building characters that you can care about. And I think part of the responsibility as a writer is not to pull your punches and to go, well, I care about this character, so if I want to make people afraid, I'm going to have to do bad things to this character. Um, which I sometimes actually, believe it or not, I think I'm not always good at. Sometimes I think I go too easy in my characters, so maybe I'll have to, like, you know, get harder <laughs> in the future. And actually, as, as I write more sync, because volume three and four are coming up in the coming years, um, but increasingly as I write sync and as more characters die and, like, my core cast kind of comes out a bit, I'm running out of characters I don't care about to do, like, bad things to. So, <laughs> so I'm going to, like, start doing horrible things to people that I'm really invested in and I really like, you know, and it's tough. Um, but, as I say, sometimes you have to do it. Now, going back, you, you mentioned you're working on sync. You've got the um, the dig Kickstarter coming up. I have, um, and and I'm excited. And it's it's not just a single like it says number one, but it's it's like a girthy 64 page one shot. Like it's yeah, it's almost an original graphic novel. Like that's you're bordering like that's not just an issue. It's yeah, no, gonna... it's a graphic. I, I've been calling it a graphic novella, um, which is okay. like a bit of like a pretentious term, you know. But <laughs> you know, that's the kind of like what the verbiage I've been using for it. Um, um, I, I think that, like, obviously, like, Sync, we did volume one, we did volume two, um, and the plan had always been, originally, we were going to take a year off, we are going to do Crimson Cage in 2020, then come back for Sync volume three in 2021. However, um, then the pandemic happened and the kind of, like, schedule got thrown, like, haywire. So, like, you know, 2020 never happened and, like, you know, the Crimson Cage got pushed back to 2021. So, like, you know, Sync's not coming back till 2022. Um, but, so we thought, like, it's been a bit of a hiatus. We want to do something special, like, to kind of, like, come back with a bang. So we came up with this idea of, like, stepping outside of, rather than just going into, like, Sync 11, we wanted to do, like, you know, a new kind of, like, story which works as a kind of standalone thing, which someone who'd never read Sync before, maybe they've only heard of Sync, maybe they kind of first became familiar with my work with Hotel and they hadn't had a chance to check out Sync. This is something that can just be a new story that introduces them to some of the core characters, you know, the most popular character, you get his backstory, but also for folk who've been waiting for more Sync, it's going to be like, you know, a big kind of like triumphant comeback, hopefully, and it kind of catches them all up and sets the stage and sets the table for what's to come. Um, and yeah, like so, but for me also, I wanted it to be a little different from an issue of sync because sync often because partly due to the one shot format, like limiting you, sync is very much a series that is contained in its location. It's only like you know ever set like in sync hill apart from occasionally like me seeing like in Edinburgh or whatever. Um, and it's usually within a contained timeline. There's not like flashbacks or like backing away or anything like that. It's like a very much a kind of immediate kind of. With this, because we have a bigger sub, like we have 64 pages, we get, you know, it's not part of the main series. So we get to have like more flexibility. We've got like it travels all over the world, like you know, globe trots to different locations. We jump back and forth to past and present. We kind of tell the backstory of Mr. Big and how he came to be who he is. Um, and it's like fun telling a different type of story while still very much train, staying true to the spirit of sync. Um, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun. The, the story's great. I think Alex is doing some great work on it. 
Um, and I'm really excited to get it out there. Like I said, one of the things I've been so happy is I was feeling anxious because I love Sync. It's maybe the comic that's closest to my heart, but I was kind of anxious because it had been so long since the last issue that folk had just forgotten about it. But even when The Crimson Cage was announced, even when Hotel Volume 2 was announced, folk were excited and supportive about those, but there was still folks saying, what about Sync? When are we getting more Sync? So I'm so <laughs> happy that folks still care about this book and this is hopefully going to be a reward to people for their patience. Well, when I hear people talk about your work, it's that's usually the the introduction to you. It's like, from you know, like, oh, J- John Lees, who did Sync, is is working on Crimson, is as a new wrestling horror comic coming mm-hmm. out. It's it's always like the creator of Sync, the creator of Sync. That, so I don't, I, I, I'm glad you love it because I don't think you're ever going to be able to detach yourself <laughs> From it. <laughs> Never get the beef yet. Yeah, no. When I'd does say that go live? The campaign. Um, we've not got an exact date confirmed yet. Um, okay. we have ever we have an idea when it's going to be, but I think they're holding. I think they're holding off an official announcement of the date, so I don't want to preempt the comics okay. in that sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's coming soon. I will say that, and so you've not got long to wait. And yeah, then once um, the Kickstarter is done and once that book's released to people, um, not long after, we're going right into volume three. Um, volume three is all written. Um, and I say I'm currently writing volume four, but that'll probably be like another year down the line, like, you know, after <laughs> volume three. But hopefully, like I say, it's not going to be as long a wait as it was between volume two and three. Like, you know, like we're planning to get, you know, plenty more sync into your hands. Um and the kind of months to come that's awesome I, i'll never forget that those clowns freak me out anyway man but those clowns <laughs> in that van and like sewing the noses onto people like god that, that was just uh, that that idea alone but i mean it's uh yeah just the uh, so so many ideas in that series man and and so i mean like you kind of mentioned earlier you know you just like you you get these these crazy ideas just when you're out walking your dog or doing scream yoga and just like (laughs) your your everyday activities just 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 prompt these crazy like horror ideas from you that's so cool because i i mean i the world's scary enough right but i mean it's it's so cool when you can like turn that negativity into into a positive into a means of storytelling i mean horror's less scary than the new world in a lot of ways so (laughs) that's yeah that's very true anything that can like take you away from the madness of it even if it's a if if it's its own maddening experience you know like like great horror like it's it sweeps you it's almost like a I I could almost compare it to like a like a romance, you know, if you're like if you're a fan of like romance movies and rom coms and stuff, because it it like it sweeps you up in the in the actions and emotions yeah. of its characters. It just does stuff I'm differently. Cool. I'm afterwards. really glad you said that because like I, I've I've always said like you know one like you know I, I love rom coms as well. Like Sync Ten is like my version of like a rom com, um, but also like um, I think horror and comedy are really closely linked uh, genres. Like I think like they both play in this kind of heightened emotional terrain they're both very subjective like for their audiences like you know and like i can say the both thing that exist they, they, all, they both kind of play in roles like the world is you know like not quite right like things like are pan out differently than they would in reality you know they're you know they're both kind of like skewed in that way but also i think they're really closely linked because i think that um the best comedy is like one degree away from being like scary sometimes like mm-hmm. you know when you think of like some stuff like league of gentlemen or whatever 
Um, also, I think that some of the best horror is one degree shy from being hilarious. An example I always give is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The ending of that movie is horrifying. I definitely wouldn't want that to happen to me, but <laughs> um, watching it, I laugh my ass off. I think it's you know like you know like when the, the old guy is like hitting on the head of the hammer and he can't get it and he keeps on dropping the hammer and like like get on grandpa, go on, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, get it, get it. No, I think like you know that is like you know I laugh. When I watched that, and people think you're, you're a horrible sickle, but I think that is funny, you know. <laughs> and like, and like, it's even as well, like when you watch, I remember the experience of seeing Hereditary in the cinema, and that's like a proper horrific ending. But um, having said that, there were folk laughing during that, like, and all it took is like one person laughing, and then other people started laughing, like, you know, and like, and, and I'm not even sure that was necessarily being discouraged by the way the film was made. I think, like, you know, it was made in a way to kind of encourage that to some degree. I think that because, like, and then both have similar reactions. Like the example I keep on giving is like if I'm um talking to you like this, someone would go, ah! like you know, and like jump, you know, what happens when you jump? You go, ah! and then you laugh, like after, yeah. like you know, it's a release of tension, like you know, I think like both do the same thing, they both have that kind of release valve. The you know, the setup and payoff to a scare is a lot like the setup a joke and a punchline like you know they operate in a similar way so yeah definitely there's genres being linked yeah that's funny i i guess i never put that together because i i'm like thinking of the the haunted houses i went to like when i was younger like with friends and stuff and getting like chased by the the dude with the fake chainsaw and stuff and, <laughs> and it's it's so like it gets your heart pumping and you're in it and they scare the shit out of you but then like when you when you like go into like the maze or it calms down or you exit the haunted house like everybody's laughing like everybody's yeah. like like i mean like full belly furiously yeah. laughing like the exhaustion and uh i think that's why we we talked about scream earlier um when i was younger i used to carry a vhs of scream like everywhere uh <laughs> it was always in my backpack that and some x-men comics in case like i went to a buddy's house after school like we watched that movie all the time and yeah. and it was just hey like you know nev campbell's like beautiful and we all like we're in love with her she still is oh she's yeah still still a smoke show uh and and looks i look so great in that new trailer i'm so excited yeah. for scream five um but it, it but that was that same way you know it, it was like you, you know the ghost face killer was very very creepy uh and and done well and, and the twists and turns that the movie makes to where you, you think you know who it is and you don't and then you and then it turns out you did you did know who it was um but you know and but there's that was that goofiness too or like um playing with like cliches right like the right. horror cliche i'll be right back like all of these things I mean, that, that that's why i think that's the you know the scary movie series doesn't really work for me because like it's a parody of something that was already a parody <laughs> <laughs> you know like like scream for me is great because it is like the best parody it is a parody and also a great example of the thing it's parodying it's the same way that like hot fuzz is a great action movie while also like making fun of action yeah. movies because they're made by people who like love that that genre yeah i i scary movies well i think they did too many of them for one yeah it's just too too much of a good thing uh but uh i just sky <laughs> always thought the scary movies were dumb except the uh the, the actor who played cabin boy i always forget his name but when he he's got like the weird deformed hand and and the one scary movie and he's always like take my strong hand and like i don't know like <laughs> I said I'll send I send that gift to like people a lot and like <laughs> it's just always uh it always gets a laugh but yeah like that those movies were they were fun but yeah like you said like 
you it can't it was making fun of something that was a tongue-in-cheek version yeah. of horror that that did it so perfectly well yeah um, exactly. are you do you what do you think about the the new one like do, do you think it's something to be excited for or do, or do you think oh, yeah, like I mean, that like, magic is you know like no like for me like I, I i'll always love like for, for, for me like even like this is one of the things you know, you talk you talk about yourself and talk about like, the characters and scream like you know the emotion investment with the characters but like i think i would happily watch a movie where it was like you know like sydney and like you know gail and dewey just like going off on a road trip and nobody dies and you just have a nice time <laughs> you, know, you know because like, I, i'm like invested in those characters now like, you know and like so for me like every time i see a new screen movie i'm like oh i get to go back and check in with my old friends and see how they're getting on you, nice. know, like, you know and like so i see it as that vibe but also like i think this the sequels for scream have kept up a very high standard like scream is one of my favorite movies scream 2 is like a really great clever sequel i think it's like, you know a really good part too and yeah like watching now you can see it's quite rushed in some aspects but in other aspects it really kind of is really well done it kind of builds in the characters and the character depth um scream 3 i don't really like that's the only one in the series i didn't really like too much i think like you know I think that it maybe would coast by on the charm of like the cast, but watching it now in the context of being like a kind of a Weinstein production, which hinges on the plot idea of like actresses like you know who sleep with directors and producers mm. to get ahead, like you know, makes you think, mm, I don't know about that. Um, but Scream 4, I think, is maybe the best one since the original. I think Scream 4 is great. Uh, a lot of folk don't like it, but I love it. I think if you didn't think you liked it, go back and watch it again because it's aged very well. Um, so yeah, and I love Scream 4. I'm worried a little bit about like you know Wes Craven no longer being involved but it's the your next team like you know who are great in their own right so if anyone's going to do it it's in good hands I like the fact that the cast are back the trailer looks great so yeah it's one of my most anticipated movies the next year so yeah sign me up yeah the, the trailer was awesome the only one I haven't watched did, did you ever watch the series no I um, didn't either I heard it was I bad I kind of so want to get into it just because I'm a completist but I've never watched it no I've been I've been thinking about check. I'd like to do a, a rewatch, you know, to, to get uh, like time it up for the 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 new because it comes out in January, right? Because yeah, January twenty second. Yeah. I'd like to I'd like to do a rewatch and because I like you, we I mean movies and stuff are so weird, you know, because it's like you'll or same with any medium books, novels, comics, whatever. You know, people will be like, oh, that's trash. Don't read it, and then you'll be like, okay, because you'll trust their opinion maybe. And then later on down the road, someone will be like, what? No, it's so good. Read it. You know, and it's so like, that's kind of how the, the Scream TV series has, has been brought to my attention. Like a lot of people are like, no, it's fun. And then a lot of people are like, no, dude, it's like, if you like the movies, you're not going to like this. So yeah, I think sometimes been... having a little bit of distance can actually improve some things as well. Like, you know, yeah. all of the moment, maybe you were thinking, I don't like this because of like what it stands for or whatever, you know, but removed from that a little bit, maybe it can be enjoying more than its own merits. That's true. I just, I just have trouble. Like it, it's, it's hard and it's, it's a bummer, but I, I love what I'm doing, like the podcast and the blog and stuff, but it's, uh, it makes it really hard to be like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to binge watch five horror movies. Right. Cause that's like, Oh no, I also have like, like this week, this week, you're one of three interviews and, uh, and then, you know, I, I got to try and get a couple of reviews out for new comic book day. And it's just, well, my, my advice would be is take up yoga and then, um, late at night, knock out some movies during yoga. <laughs> yeah. <you're> <laughs> I'm sure I, I, man, it's probably not, I just found out I have like high blood pressure too. So maybe that's, maybe I, maybe I need to take up the horror yoga and maybe <laughs> I'll just start like a YouTube channel, you know, John's, but are you, <laughs> well, it 
because it's you know they do the they do the hot yoga right where like you'd sit in the room and you sweat and do so like you know, i mean you you could maybe do like do the horror yoga and like yeah. get people like into it <laughs> then, then every time you hear like a blood curling scream it's like relaxing you're like oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's how so did um so I've, I've brought this up to a couple of my guests before. So like yoga in a sense, like you can kind of look at that as like, it's, it's almost like a, it's a physical meditation, right? Like you're, yeah. you're getting in tune with your body and you're letting go of a lot of stuff and finding, you know, finding that oneness in the moment. Um, I talked to like Brian Edward Hill and I talked to uh, Ryland Grant and they both like to meditate. And, and I kind of mentioned like, you know, does it think, do you think that helps you be a better writer? Do you think it helps you like get in the zone for like, creating stories and ideas like do yeah, you find I think, that like, that helps the, you no i definitely think like for me like you know i felt like before i domestic up yoga like maybe like four years ago or three years ago now it would have been um and i think like at the time i was feeling like, like of stress and anxiety and like you know i was you know like my mind was going like 100 miles an hour so it's nice to be able to just you know, like slow down a little bit and, like just um I like I say, focus on your, your breathing, focus on your posture, like, you know, get in tune with, like, your own body and things like this. And, like, I think it's, def it's definitely, like, one, it's just improved, it's improved my health a lot. Like, I think I've, I've lost weight and I've, you know, built up a lot of muscle definitions. So physically, it's helped me. But, like, mentally, like, you know, say, I'm a lot less, like, stressed than I used to be, you know, like, you know, and having, like, those things under my heart. And it's good to just kind of like slow down and kind of get you know taking some time to like you know do that and like I think it has helped my creativity like you know um if I'm not like sitting up all night like you know trying to get something written if I'm taking some time and saying okay I'm now I'm going to stop and I'm going to kind of shut down for the day and do this you know I think it definitely helps a lot like you know and that kind of feeds into like my productivity in other ways so yeah I definitely see it's been a lot of benefits to it nice yeah I I need to I need to figure out something um because I've I get I get caught up. Um, like I just sometimes feel like there's too much like, and it's my fault. Like, you know, like I'm the one who scheduled three interviews this week. I'm the one, you know, I'm the one who like started this blog and like, you know, and, and I love it. It's, it's fun, but it, it's just, uh, it, you know, with like with the day job, sometimes it gets real intense. And when I feel like I have, I, I do a lot of, uh, I like to help promote Kickstarters too, like with, with some of my indie friends that I've made online and stuff. And like, sometimes I'm just like, I have all, like all this stuff I need to do. And then what do I do? Like, I, I just like sit here and like dread doing all this stuff. And I sometimes wondered if like, you know, yoga or meditation or just a, a way to like, you know, just kind of focus on the moment and alleviate some of that stress would help. Like, yeah. Right. What would really has, help is like, just to physical... get rid of my day job. If I could just yeah. get rid of that pesky day job, we'd be yeah, no, <laughs> that. Like, I think stress has like physical signs. Like you talk about like you know, like tension, like you know, that becomes these things where it's like held up and you're coiled up and it's like you know, you can feel it in your chest, you can feel it in your shoulders, like you know, and like physically like unraveling all that is like a kind of like fake a tea maker type thing where like doing that can actually make you feel better and feel less stressed. So yeah. Nice. So I so I need to I just need to like queue up some slashers and and yeah. watch some like basic some like some like yoga for fat dummy videos online and like kids, that's where I need to start I think because I, I like some of that's like my body is not going to do what some of those people do like I I need like the I need like the the basicest yoga like sit. Oh, no, but you'd, be, you'd be surprised that you know get yourself some like, I, I do like Iyengar yoga you know you'd be surprised like you know I can't like I I still have like a mashed potato body 
there, you know. But you know, before you know it, you know, like it's you can, you know, I'm doing all that. I can then oh, I can touch my toes again. It's oh, I can actually bend right forward and sit my head on the floor and I'll keep my legs straight, you know. And you know, I went, oh, my God, my ass is great now, you know. It's you know, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's benefits. Nice. Uh, how like? How did you get into that? Like, did you did you take classes or yeah? Kind of no, teach well, yourself? well, it was a friend of mine, like you know, that recommended to take it up because they'd taken up, you know, because they had they had a back injury and took it up, like and they really enjoyed it. Um, so I started doing it with them. And originally, I was doing classes in a studio, but like obviously the pandemic happened, and like you know, so there are no classes in studios <laughs> anymore, you know. But I like, now do like through Zoom calls. I have a couple of classes a week, like you know, over Zoom, and then like other than that, I just do it like on my own, like my own practice at night time yeah because i know there's a lot of um like my cousin's real into it and like i guess there's well i mean youtube like i learned how, like, my family kind of taught me how to cook but i learned how to cook well from youtube and it's like, like i feel like you can just learn how to do everything on youtube that, these days. And, and, and it's a miracle now like you know, there are so many things like you know back before you had to you know find someone like to give you advice or like, go to the library or whatever but now like you know if you want to do anything you just go and google and search how do i do this you know like how do i cook whatever like, you know and yes it's definitely helped a lot I'm trying to teach my dad how to do that. So my dad is really, um, I, I'm very, my dad and I are really close, but he's, he's very not good at computers, right? He can, he can do like Netflix and like watch his movies and stuff and pay a couple bills online. And that's like, he, he gets stressed out, like ordering stuff on Amazon yeah. and stuff um, like my, that. My gran will FaceTime me to ask me how to do something on an iPad. I'm like, well, you figured that out, how to FaceTime me, so... <laughs> yeah that's that's a step right there facetime like yeah because my my dad can't he he keeps telling me he's like you know i'd really like to listen to your podcast i I don't know how i'm like i'm like yeah you just like i i post it everywhere you know like a few times a week i'm like all you gotta do is click the link man and he's like yeah it's funny yeah he's but yeah he's uh i keep trying to tell him man because he's he's always like you're so smart and i'm like dude dad i'm not that smart i google how to do shit all the time like i don't know how to do this stuff and then i'm just like i didn't know how to launch a podcast i didn't know how to edit anything i watched i I, like googled it and learned how to do stuff so yeah no that's that's like all these resources your fingertips now it's amazing yeah it's we we definitely live in a in a a weird world which well i mean which got weirder because you know now we're all at home all the time and uh, yeah, but, but I, I, I kind of like that, it. Though, yeah, it sucks being at home all the time. It sucks that I've not got to like, go to my conventions in the US for the past year. Yeah, it sucks that like you know I'm not able to have like my annual Halloween party. You know, now you know, but if this had even, if this whole thing had happened even like ten years ago, I think it would have been a lot worse. I think yeah. we're so lucky now that we have like you know like you know all these video conferencing things set up like there's so much we're able to do. we have live streaming like there's so many things that we're able to do that we wouldn't have been able to do in the past I think it would have made us feel a lot more isolated you know than even we do now yeah yeah we uh I talked about that with some people the other day about how um because of the pandemic and like you know we're all in these like different group chats and stuff and like every now and then I'm like, I'm in, like, I'm just tired of notifications, you know? And like, but then you think about it and I'm like, man, a lot of, I have like a lot of like really great friends that are, I haven't met in real life, you know, like that I found on comic book Twitter and social media. And we all ended up, you know, talking about comics. And then, and then all of a sudden you're like messaging this person every day, talking about life. And like, I got, I got a buddy in Illinois who just moved with his wife, you know, and it's just, it's like, you know, we're not, 
we're not talking yeah. about DC comics anymore where we've like moved into like real friend shit. Yeah. And, and I think that's awesome. And, and just like this, like, I mean, getting to talk with you over zoom, yeah. like, I mean, like, I yeah, like doing like across the world or even like when I look at my comments and my creative teams are all folk, like, you know, from America, or, like, you know, across Europe or whatever, like, you know, and like that I would never have the chance to work with if it wasn't for the wonders of technology. Yeah. That's cool. I, I always think that that's cool. Like when, uh, when you guys like connect all over the world, and I see that a lot on uh, on Kickstarters these days, like like all these people find like the like colorists and artists from like all these other parts of the world and 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 they come together and they they put that they put out this awesome book and like and uh, the guys who did um guys who did buy the horns that that Scout has like they were they were talking to me uh, and when Scout like extended their deal, like they had like a them and uh because it's three guys and they all got on zoom because one of them's in hawaii one of them's in the states and then one of them's like and in a whole other part of the world and and so they like found a time to get on zoom and they all cheers each other and had a beer and i was like i mean there's stuff like that's cool like how we can still be together uh even though we're all over far apart sometimes yeah no i think it's great that the world can come together in that sense and i i kind of like it because so like before all this happened i was a bouncer for seven years and so like i was i worked in a pretty busy bar and i was just around people all the time and i was partying all the time too and so then when i i switched to an office job and life got weird and then a, a year and a half into the into the office job like covid hit and now oh. i'm working from home and so i feel bad sometimes because there's so many people that are like oh, i just want to be out with people and, and i'm i'm still at that part where i miss it like for a while i was missing my friends and stuff but like I kind of like the quiet man. Like I went from like six nights a week to like loud music and screaming college kids to like <laughs> the peace and silence and reading my comics at home with no one to bother me. So. I mean, uh, for me, I, I think that's going to be one of the very, very fascinating things like, you know, going forward where I think this is kind of showing that people can work from home and like, you know, not like, you know, be really negatively impacted as such. Like, you know, it doesn't hurt the productivity and always it helps the productivity. And then that raises the question of, well, if that's the case, why are like, you know, people going into work? It's not because they work better at work. It's because like, you know, the companies that, you know, that own, you know, or there, mm -hmm. you know, there've been people who own like businesses in the city centre and want folk commuting in, like, you know, to like spend their money over there, you know, it's all these other factors to it, like, you know, and it's going to put, potentially, I think you put power back in the hands of like, you know, people to say like, well, no, I want to work in an environment that suits me. Some folk will want to go into work, but some folk will say, no, I'd rather just work from home. And yeah. it's going to mean the folk don't have to go to like big city hubs like London or New York or whatever, like to get a job. They can go back and do what I want from where I want. I think that's really kind of like that could be an encouraging sign. Yeah, I love I my work's already tried to be like, like I've been at home for a year and a half almost. Like we've we've been working mm -hmm. from home for a while and, and it works and and they kind of did like a comeback to work survey and everybody was like, no, you're crazy. And also like they sent out this deal about coming back to work, like when the Delta variant was all like people were getting sick. And I was just like, I was like, what are you guys thinking? Like every my, everyone on my team works from home. There was one point like a couple months ago where three people on my team had COVID, two were vaccinated and we work yeah. from home. And I'm yeah. like, and you want us to like share a workspace with these? I was like, no, no. but I love but it. Cause it's like, that thing from straight, you know, Lord Farquhar, like, you know, you know, <laughs> Some of you may die, but that is a risk <laughs> I'm willing to take. 
<laughs> yeah, it is, it, their whole deal is like they they want to, you know, like we're a team and you, you're missing out on that teamwork by not being in an office together. Yeah, there's nothing like, that's more noisy because like, there's been big ad campaigns for this and like the UK as well. All these ads, like, you know, oh, the, the buzzing office vibe, like, you know, the water cooler chats, like the camaraderie, <laughs> you know, like you're missing out, get to work. And this seems such fake bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, no thanks. Yeah, it, I love it because there's this, uh, well, I mean, I if I want to sleep late, I can, but I, I usually get up a little, like when I mentioned like how getting up early to talk to you wasn't a big deal. I usually get up early before work and like work on the blog and stuff and then and then do work work and then you know at night I kind of like decompress with everything and uh and so like I usually do like my comic nerd stuff in, in the mornings but like man when when I if I'm having a bad day at work I can take a break I can walk away I can walk right in there I can I can make a coffee at my nice coffee bar and then i can i can hug my dogs and be yeah, like and be like oh hi guys like uh and then i can like calm down and go back to work like i didn't have like i used to smoke no, cigarettes so finished work you throw your computer down and you walk away and work's finished it's not a, an hour long commute yeah or whatever, you know yeah it's done like when i'm when i'm done i get up and walk away i'm in a different room i'm not thinking about it like it's it's super nice and and just like you know i mean like i bathe and stuff but it's not you know it's like oh i didn't have time to take a shower today like you don't have to worry about stuff like that you know like it's just like you just wake up you just do your job and, and as long as you log on at the right time like who cares if you woke up five minutes ago? Like, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 different for sure. And and I always feel bad because the pandemic opened a lot of doors for me. Like the way the the reason you and I are talking right now, like I launched this pod, I, I started podcasting during the pandemic because like a lot of us missed like that social time and and we started talking about comics together. And so like all this started because like you know, we were we were locked inside with with nothing yes. to do. Yeah. And it and it ended up like I'm I'm so like I still I still can't believe like uh, getting even getting to talk to you like it, it's crazy like when I uh, read these amazing comics and I get to like I'm like hey do you want to like find time to talk to me for a couple hours about and there and you guys get excited about it and you're like hell yeah and I'm like what are, are you sure <laughs> like, <what? laughs> don't talk to anybody anymore so, uh, any human contacts yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I, I'm still surprised. Like everybody always tells me, they're like, "No, like comic creators like to talk," you know, because it's like you, especially like writing and art. You know, it's 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 uh, it's uh, there's a lot of solitude in that, and yeah. and and you're you by yourself a lot. And, and so also, I, I never like, bought an idea. I mean, you see a lot of artists like, "No, yes, like you know, the work is speaking, and I don't want to sully myself by discussing <laughs> my craft and etc." Cetera, et cetera. I don't get that at all. Like, I love talking about myself. You know, what I mean? like, you know. <laughs> I was thinking when I was doing this, it was my ideas, you know. I guess I love talking about it. So yeah, you know, I'm always happy to chat with anyone who wants to do it. Well, I mean, and it helps you guys. I know, like on the indie scene too, like you know, when you don't have like advertising teams and PR teams and stuff, like helping get your stuff out there. I mean, oh, like, yeah, no, it's it absolutely makes a big difference when to like get the word out, you know, every avenue we can, and like you know, and audiences kind of like you know they might not have heard of my book, like you know, we've we'll heard of you and might listen to your stuff every week, you know, or maybe hear about my stuff for the first time and say to check out. Yeah, I, I like to think that people listen to me and then go buy your guys' books. That's what I, I the, the lies I tell myself anyway. Like I'm the no, comic, I'm, I'm the like comic that. influencer. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think, I mean, I, I know a lot of Kickstarter guys like coming on my show, so yeah. I, I would, I would assume it helps somebody. No, it definitely, it definitely helps. <laughs> makes, like, makes me look cool. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> 
um so so you're um I, I don't I, I don't want to I know I've, I've kept you for for a while and and I don't I know you probably have like a a, a day thing to do and and I gotta unfortunately go to work uh here in a little while <laughs> I and mean, if you hear my belly I'm one of those I've not had lunch yet so. <laughs> <laughs> um so you've we you can get right now and and I, I know I've retweeted it and, and some of your other fans have retweeted it. You can get notified for for uh, yeah for dig number one. Yep, if you uh, go and you've the, got two hundred followers on the camp for yeah. uh, two hundred followers for a campaign that hasn't launched yet. That's yeah, that's so all. They'll get a notification as soon as this campaign is launched, um, and you can get notification as well. Um, I don't know. I, I should have I should have been more ready and had this link to hand, but I'm sure you can post the link below, like in the show notes. But yeah, you can get a link um, if you go to dig Kickstarter page that says notify me and as soon as this campaign launches you'll get a notification um and get all the latest updates for it and yeah so that's coming soon and other books i say we've got both the crimson cage and hotel volume two both launch in december hotel volume two issue one comes out on um ho- on all hotel first <laughs> on december first <laughs> and um crimson cage one comes out december 8th both are available for pre-order now um so you can go to your local comic shop and let them know you order it in and if they're worth or salt they will get it for you um the final order cutoff is november for both books november 8th for hotel and november 15th for crimson cage so you've run that you've no you've still got time and not a lot of time so make sure sooner rather than later to get to a comic shop and let them know you want them uh, it does make a difference um comic shops base what they order on what they think their customers will read so let their shop know you want it in your pool list and yep uh, and as i say if you want any further information you can check me out on twitter john lee's 927 um you can find my newsletter at deepender.johnleescomics.com that's deep-ender.johnleescomics.com or i've got a patreon page as well patreon.com forward slash john lee's um, those are the main places you can find me. I think that's all the plugging I've done. So I'll maybe take a <laughs> breathe in now. <laughs> and I love your newsletter, by the way. Like you're you're always you're very gracious to the the shows you go on. You always like let people know like um the stuff you're watching movies you're watching comics you're working on things you're reading like it's uh, your newsletters are very like fun and 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 i and informative i i did yeah your, no i, I really enjoy writing them like i say it's for me for me it's like that kind of like space of me on it and i collate all my thoughts from the week and all the stuff i've been you know consuming and like sharing like little thoughts and yeah you know i've not missed a week since i started it in like early 2017 so the fact that folk have stuck with me and yeah folk you know it's contact me and say like they've read my comics i think that's great if folk contact me and say they read my newsletter i'm over the moon (laughs) (laughs) well that is that's also how you released your the the swimming yeah uh, my swimming call my my swimming rom comic um uh depender which you know again like we'd plan to maybe have that come out through a publisher or whatever but i don't think you know like it's really you know taking off in that sense but me and joe's like we're both super busy right now like doing a hundred other things but we have both talked about um coming back to it eventually but in the meantime yeah the main place to read depender is by signing up to my comic you will get so if i sign up to my newsletter you will get a free edition of this comic the first two issues in your inbox so yeah that's a further incentive awesome all right so i have read i i had the pleasure of, of reading crimson cage and hotel volume two number one and i'm gonna tell my listeners and and any 
any new people tuning in for the week that yet pre-order these get get tell your retailers that you want them like secure your copies uh these are a awa is dropping a lot of heat lately and this is continuing the trend like your new book i'm so excited to see where your new books go man like i really dug these premiere issues i am super excited for your new kickstarter uh i think every, uh, we'll we'll get a link out there for you guys but make sure to get signed up for notifications so that day one you can get on there maybe and, and you know the, the day one signing up for kickstarter sometimes saves you a couple bucks so maybe yeah. you know those the, those early bird specials are uh, are usually generous and welcomed on the consumer end. So make sure you get signed up for that. Um, check out Sync. Check out Hotel. Uh, uh, oh shit! What's your IDW book? What's your ID? Uh, Mountainhead. Check out oh, Mountainhead. Mountainhead. <laughs> <laughs> um, John Lee's is a master of horror, ladies and gentlemen. He is a very kind and generous person, as you can tell if you've listened for the last ninety minutes or so. I had a blast. This was so cool. Uh, again, like I, I don't, I don't know how my Halloween episode could have been better. Like you are the guest of guests, and and uh, as far as like a celebration of horror and giving me a couple movies to watch. This week like this was so cool dude and i i really appreciate you uh coming on and and i appreciate you as a as a creator and comic writer and, and a person like you're just awesome well thank you very much i appreciate the kind words and i appreciate <laughs> you too and like i say thank you very much for the invitation um and yeah like hopefully i'll be back on again at some point in the future to talk about something else down the line dude any for real anytime man like any if you want to come back on for dig or if you're just if you're just bored like <laughs> let me know man <laughs>